Welcome to episode 43 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Ren Jackson. This episode, we talked to John Gold, a really, really smart dude who hates things that I like and works at the grid and is helping robots learn how to design and press all of jobs. And he's smarter than both of us combined. I mean, that's not hard, but <laughs> yes. Yeah, Most of our guests are. John is a smart guy. We had a lot of fun talking to him. He shared a lot of his opinions, and we got to agree and disagree on a lot of them. So it was a great conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, after you're done listening... Yeah, this, what the hell, man? They haven't listened to this thing yet. If you're go, uh, We know if, you're going to enjoy If you enjoy enjoyed previous episodes. Yes. Leave us a rating on iTunes. Pull out your phone or your computer. Just takes two seconds, but it helps us so much. That's false up. advertising. It doesn't take two seconds. It takes, it takes at least ten. 10 seconds of your time which Minimum. we know is so valuable but it really does help us move up in the ratings in iTunes and helps more people find the show and we would love it if more people found the show because everyone we've talked to that has listened to it oh my god it's so great like learning and improving the show based on feedback the feedback has been awesome and if you have some for us hit us up on Twitter we're at Design Details FM we love tweeting with y'all we have open DMs so you can DM us if you want to chat or if you're in San Francisco hit us up uh, Brendan and I would love to meet before we get into episode 43 of course we have two awesome sponsors that make this show possible and free for you to listen to first thank you once again to Dropbox for coming back and sponsoring Design Details Dropbox is an amazing service. Uh, we've talked about them a lot here on the show. Hopefully you've heard of them and ideally most of you use them. But for those of you that don't know, Dropbox is a way to keep all of your files safe and synced across all your devices in the cloud. Uh, if your computer suddenly explodes, then your files do not explode with it. You should probably get a different type of computer next time. And that. Uh, so Dropbox, just as a service in general for keeping your files safe and secure, is amazing. But they're working on really awesome tools that help us as designers. Uh, they've launched a commenting feature that helps you have discussions based around certain files. You could share a mock-up on Dropbox and have uh, both designers and non-designers alike comment in a thread right next to the file. No more emails, no more attachments, all this extra stuff that you don't need. Uh, it's just comments right there on the mock-up. Uh, they also make it super easy to send and share really large files instantly. So if you need to share some huge Photoshop file, one click, it goes straight to the recipient. No uploading time, no attachment limits. Uh, so Dropbox is an amazing service. They're making our lives as designers easier, and they're supporting shows like this and helping the community. So check them out. They're at dropbox.com. And Thank you so much to Dropbox for making this episode possible. Our second sponsor is once again, Adobe. They just released CC 2015 with so many improvements to so many of their products. It's really incredible. Like Photoshop is doing some insane things like design space. They do things like putting the glyph panel in, in Photoshop, which is something people have been asking for and they listen. They took Illustrator and they made it so you can zoom up to 64,000%, which I mean, why not, right? <laughs> All the details. They've they've added tools to uh, Creative Cloud in general. Like they've made it so that you now have stock photo access built into Creative Cloud. So not only do you have your fonts through Typekit, you now have your stock photos in there too. By default, no plugins necessary. They let you do device previews. No plugins necessary. They like everything is 
there. It's it's all built for us, people like us who are designing interfaces, not for people who are designing photos. They get that we're the people who use it more than anyone else. Artboards, asset exporting, it's all just getting <sighs> so artboards good with Photoshop <sighs> in the new CC 2015 update. It's pretty great. So if you want to learn more, we've got a link in our show notes that takes you to the page that is just what's new in Adobe CC 2015. Otherwise, you can just go to adobe.com and you're smart people. I'm sure you can find your way to it. Go check it out. It's worth seeing. Thanks so much to Adobe for sponsoring the show and the community and making this particular episode possible. And with that, let's get into episode 43 with John Gold. Can you explain your Twitter cover photo? Oh, yeah. Is this ironic? Um, I haven't decided yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure whether I actually love Miller High Life and Harley Davidson's or if I ironically hipster like them. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I just really like this campaign. Um, we can put this in the show notes. Um, High Life and Harley had an incredible collaboration with some actually really, really great illustrations. Yeah, it looks good. Um, this is probably did, the, did Dan Casaro do those? I know he did. A, uh, let's see here. Maybe. Um, it, it was you know what? Something I have, like I've, that. I've, I've, I have a Pinterest board just of. Um, I'm gonna follow you on Pinterest of high life adverts. You go to Pinterest.com/slash John slash Champagne. Did you say John Vetica? Yeah, it's, oh, from, wow. it's it's from college. It's a long time ago. Yeah, I've I've got a Pinterest board of Miller High Life. Wait, and you called the you called the board Champagne? Ah, oh, dude, I love that. Yeah, this is hilarious. But so I'm not sure if I ironically like it or if I actually like it. Have you I'm, drank it? I've I've had one or two high lifes in my time today. <laughs> yeah, so that one you've that one you've got open right now. For everyone listening, these will be in the show notes. This Pinterest board of Miller is this the first time we'll ever. have a Pinterest board in our show notes? I feel actually, like actually, yeah, it will be. I'm pretty sure that's my only good Pinterest board. I'm, I'm not super into Pinterest. Oh, I've got a really good motorcycle Pinterest board, but like really, yeah. Ooh. Now, now I'm interested. Uh, so, is it wait? Is it Harley though? Uh, it's a mix. I'm mainly into kind of scramblers and yes. uh, like bobbers yes. and brats, brats yes. and stuff like that. Um, okay. It's Pinterest slash John Vetica slash wheels is my motorcycle one. And cars. I don't discriminate. Mainly two wheels. My only Pinterest boards for the longest time were just cars. That was about it. Okay. Uh, got, actually, I had some motorcycles. That's not entirely true. I haven't looked at this board in a couple of weeks. I've got a really strong Pinterest game. Not going to lie. Yeah, you, <laughs> you've uh, got 575 pins. Lots of customs. You've got a lot of boards that are empty. Yeah, it's mainly just the Miller High Life and the... <laughs> And these the, are your two passions in life yeah that's that's pretty accurate <laughs> <laughs> maybe i'm not being ironic wow that's awesome yeah also choppers like i really like ridiculous like 60s 70s choppers not like not like recent hollywood choppers but um like kind of easy rider style choppers i'm kind of into but yeah i'm looking at i think for my next bike it'll be a triumph scrambler or a mokuchi v7 stone or something like that that's a very specific set of bikes i you know i i kind of want a new bike i Did you see the new bmw scrambler because oh, holy is shit. it out yet no they announced it though and they showed pictures and it is stunning i don't think i've seen it i've seen like the the what was it what's their cafe the r9 r9t yeah so they did some scrambler conversions of that mm-hmm. um yon from framer was telling me about this scrambler i don't think i've seen it yet what do you think of the ducati scrambler sam sofa's just got one it's an awesome bike have you it's seen really it IRL? Cool. yeah I've sat on it. It's great. Sat on it? <laughs> yeah. He let you sit on it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Strong move, Sofez. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Strong move. <laughs> That's funny. Bright yellow with a brown seat. Looks like a spotty banana in the best sort of way. <laughs>
Nice. You know, it's good. So I suppose at some point we should actually start this thing. Let's do so it. People we could just talk about, about motorcycles the entire time. Does anyone design? does anyone want to talk about design or should we just talk about motorcycles? Motorcycle design. Mm. There you go. You guys do that. I'll sit back and enjoy my beer. Because this is I don't know anything about motorcycles. Okay. Like literally zero. Neither do I. <laughs> Shut up. I mean you just have to watch some Sons of Anarchy and then like <laughs> that's an easy rider and that's that's pretty much it. Listen to some Judas Priest and yeah, that, okay. that's pretty much my theory. I'll catch up. All right. <laughs> right. We should actually talk about design. At some point. We always start the question. We are start the show. Holy shit, this beer. <laughs> we always start the show with a question. What are you working on right now? I am working on teaching robots how to pick typography better than humans can do it. What kind of robots? You guys are familiar with like Terminator? It's, it's kind of like that, but, but with fonts. But Wait, with which design? one? T800, T900, T1000? Oh God, I can't remember. I reckon T2 was probably the high point of the franchise. Was that a T1000? Was it T1000, I, I the, don't know. the liquid robot? I, I actually don't know my Terminator mythology. I just know that the original one was a T800 and that was Arnold. Mm, I don't know. Oh, so actually... T1000's liquid. It's like responsive. But, but so I, reckon, <laughs> I reckon Terminator 2 was probably what got me into motorcycles. They had the great motorcycle chase when he's on the, the Harley soft tail. Like I said, I totally didn't watch those movies. But <laughs> I knew what yeah, the robots were called. Um, no, I'm talking about like metaphorical robots. Um, I work at The Grid, which, if you don't know it, is like an AI website design platform. Um, I guess it's kind of like AI Squarespace. And right now I'm working on uh, the typography system, teaching machine learning algorithms how to recognize what good font pairings are. How? Just how? How do you even do that? Oh God, I have no idea. Okay. Um, so I think design is, design is rules-based, right? Yeah, absolutely. Everything. You and Brit yes. are going to get along. We can really talk about really math. Bad. Actually, I'm really bad at math, but I like to talk about it anyway. I love math and design. I don't love math with like all those squiggly symbols and shit. I've been trying to do some CS Did, courses. Yeah, I was going like, to say, weren't you complaining about the lack of differential calculus courses available? I was complaining about how difficult they are because oh, okay. I okay. didn't do very much in high school. <laughs> um, and then I studied graphic design. Why do people do I don't know why people do that. Um, yeah. like It's the same. It's just very specifically applied. Lots uh, of squiggly symbols, <laughs> lots of math, grids. You get it. All design is rules-based. You've got the stuff which I grew up loving the Gerstner and Miller-Brockman and all the Swiss stuff, that's obviously, obviously rules-based. Even if you get far away from that, as long as you're not like a sociopath like David Carson or Neville Brody, everything you do is following a system. It's your own personal, it might be your own personal system, but it's still a system. There's rules that make sense to you no matter what they are, right? Right, and, and it might not be something that you could extract into a rule book. Like, it's not like I... Okay, there are some rules that I do follow, like... Almost every bit of body copy I've set for the past five years has probably been like 28 M's wide. You know, that, that's probably a rule that I follow. Other things I think are kind of like guiding principles. It's the way you approach a project. These are coded in your brain as rules. You just might not be aware of them. So I think the first step is to think really deeply about how I think about typography, how, about we, all, how we all think about typography, um, and just figuring out like what those internal biases and preferences and principles are so why are you teaching ai to do that because i got bored of making startup landing pages 
<laughs> and doing logos okay. and just doing design generally. And this is a really, really exciting project. What's um, your favorite font pairing? Uh, wow. I really like... Of course he knows. It's a very specific question. Yeah, I don't, I'm sure he has something in mind. Mm, I don't have an answer. I've got, oh. two, I've got two things I really like in typography. I like, like neo-grotesques um, and sort of super quirky neo-grotesques like the Maison or Acura or... Um, I'm really into like the new Roboto in San Francisco. Actually, like they they all just look like accurate act- has gotten accurate really robots. popular too. Like I've been seeing it pop up everywhere lately. Yeah, that was you know like I I feel like I tweet about I've tweeted about accurate like every two weeks for the past interesting five years or something. Well, like, I love yeah, that shit. Danny Trin's Wake uses accurate and mm. um, Wake Chris Kalani's yeah yeah Wake uses it too, which is hilarious because they're like close friends. I asked Chris who used it first, and he wouldn't answer. <laughs> I was hanging out with Max Shining earlier. He's using yeah. it. Accurate is a solid font. The problem yeah. is, like, Line 2 are not a digital-focused foundry like like lots of our favorite ones are. But it's a great typeface. So I'm really into kind of uh, grotesques of all shapes and forms, like the kind of the weird ones, especially. Apisu was great before everyone used Apisu for every single thing. But, you know, like, it was a great font. So mm. it's a shame it got rinsed, but whatever. Um, then also really into serifs. Um, my friends launched try.com uh, today, try.com, and that's got a pretty strong Tiempo's headline game. Pretty into kind of serifs like that, and I think those make a pretty nice pairing. Tiempo's and some kind of grotesque. I don't feel like I have like a Vignelli, like only ever use these. Actually, I do use Accurate quite a lot. <laughs> Active grotesque. Can we, can we like, call those like very clearly, um, what is it? Those those personal fonts. If you see it, you know it's their work. Then it then it's a Vignelli. I think it's like yeah, it's like a Vignelli or like a Desert Island font. I don't know. Gotham Bolt. Are these both H and FJ? Tiempos isn't HFJ or H as they call it these oh, days. Tiempos. <laughs> is who does Tiempos? I think it's Pitch or someone. Not sure. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous typeface. I really hope. I want it. To, I want to see it everywhere, but I also don't want to get bored of it. It's a very. Mm. It's great. Clim. Klim type foundry. Klim, that's one. They've got some really great ones. You guys into typewolf.com? It's like my favorite. I do like typewolf a lot. Yeah, who I have a who lot started of that because Oh uh, dude, like check check it out. Like go on typewolf right now. Like the first one up there is CM Post, and actually it's mixed with a grotesque, which is Geo Grotesque. Wow. I'm really into that. Noisei, he's got um he's got a really, really great font uh taste in There's another Tiempos. There was I swear to God, uh Heffler just put out a new font that is very similar to Tiempo's, and now I can't remember oh, what did? it is. It was pretty recently. I'm down with that. I'm really into this been... genre. I'm also really into IK Blue, and there's some IK Blue on the Type Wolf homepage right now. I thought they had a new one like that, but now I'm, I can't find it. Is this the most time we've spent on, on the air <laughs> looking at websites? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how you guys do it. Well, let's get back. Okay, so, yes. so on the grid, you're, you're helping automate this process. I guess so, yeah. Um, the end user product of the grid is not a designer tool, but in the intermediary process, there's a lot of interesting things we can build for designers. Like right now, um, I've built some like prototypes of things that help us as designers, um, come up with rules and come up with pairings and see what works and to kind of train the system. And then that is, um, exposed to the end user and like a suit it's just a slider like it we want to make it as easy as possible for everyone to have a beautiful website by making it easier do you mean 
it seems like it's very prescriptive. It, it, it constrains them to help prevent them from getting in their own way. To an extent, yeah. There's yeah. going to be a huge, huge variety of typefaces, of colors, of layouts. Um, I think the goal is that you know, no two sites look the same, but at the same time, no one can mess it up. And on Squarespace, you can... You can botch it. You can, yeah, you can mess yourself up. Because you're injecting code. I mean, anytime you inject code, you can really mess things up. Right. Um, I think, you know, along the way, we'll probably open source a bunch of the things we're working on for designers, like for, you know, for this audience to use. That'd be um, great. It's fun. I've got this theory that um, current design tools don't empower designers. Current design tools, Sketch, Photoshop, that kind of thing. They just turn you into an art worker. So you, you come up, as a designer, you come up with a bunch of things. You're like, oh, I, you know, would TM post look good? The answer is always yes. But um, like, <laughs> you know, you come up with a bunch of possibilities in your head and you're like, what would these look like? And then you have to spend eight. This is why I jumped to code so, so quickly. Um, because you have to like artwork every single thing yourself you're like what would this variation look like you know click and change this change a thing change a thing change a thing and you do that a million times and then you got bored and you're like fuck it i'll just stick with i'll just stick with the last variation because i i don't want to artwork these things anymore so i'm kind of into the idea of using tooling um in a kind of brett victory bicycle for the mindy kind of way <laughs> to uh to like help you just think of things and then instantly have that artwork so you know some of the typography tools that i've got you just select a bunch of different variables so weight yeah. family a, a letter spacing whatever and it just instantly like spits out all the different options you know that's like the branching out that's you as a creative director um you know making your intern stay over time and artwork you out millions and millions of options the um the intern would hate you if you did that, I, you know, I had jobs like that in college, but the algorithms don't care. Like in, instantly, instantly using technology for what it's good for, which is abstracting manual labor and, you know, helping you as a designer get on with what you're good at. And it exposes the rules instead of them being hidden inside your brain. Exactly. Pretty exactly. great. I'm let's, down. Let's talk about some other rules because I was just reading your functional CSS post. You have strong opinions about ca the cascade, about M's, uh, about using lots and lots of class names instead of uh, ooks is what you're saying instead of that. Um, or smacks. Or, or smacks, yeah. Mm -hmm. So can you just share like a little bit about your approach to CSS and programming, like when you're prototyping through things? Yeah, so most of the time I steal all of my CSS opinions from Brent Jackson, um, the guy who wrote base CSS, and Adam Morse who wrote uh, Tachyons. I, I can't Tachyons. Tachyons. I don't know how to pronounce that yeah. word. He's uh, Murmurs. Murmurs, 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 underscore that dude. Um, I get frustrated with CSS when you run into specificity. Speci specificity. I can't say that either. <laughs> can, we, can we just have like a list of words that you pronounce me? Sure, <laughs> I got okay. you. Hold up note cards. <laughs> I think a lot of the time writing CSS, you're fighting against CSS. You're using a framework. I was using one recently that is quite popular that I'm not going to name because not Bootstrap. Um, Bootstrap's rad. Um, is it a very popular framework though? that I had to use because of a client and um, I spent all of my time like trying to overwrite things or, you know, the font, the font size of the margin or whatever it was, was wrong because of a specific blah, blah, blah issue. 
or because there was like an M somewhere that was like being a multiplier that was, you know, getting in the way of me just saying what I wanted and getting it back. So I think the cascade in CSS, like it was a good idea when CSS was a document language, but as a programming model, like imagine writing JavaScript and, you know, you're saying var x equals 10, whatever, and then running the code and it being like, actually, you know what, couldn't be bothered to do 10. I think actually it should be five. And you're like, dude, what's going on? Like, I, I want this guy to be 10. Um, I think CSS suffers from that, like just from a lack of um, precision between your thoughts as a designer and what you get out of it. So I think like the the approach that base and tachyons are taking is really smart. Um, it borrows, I, d- I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I've realized that it borrows concepts from functional programming. So if you're into underscore or checking out closure or something like that, there are um, ideas that can be brought back into CSS. There's this one idea in functional programming called immutability, which is basically if you say something is one thing, you can't change it to something else later. So I kind of oh, like... That's what immutability means. Smartass. No, I actually didn't know. Oh. <laughs> I've been waiting for someone to explain it to me. I this is the best. Now I have it recorded. <laughs> I feel like that's basically what it is. So you okay. know in CSS, generally, you might say margin bottom equals 10 pixels. And then somewhere else, you've got another class that targets the same thing. And you're like, actually, margin bottom equals 8 pixels. And then another place, you're like, actually, if this class is there, margin bottom equals 25 pixels, whatever. You're redefining margin bottom three times. I like the idea of, for example, in base CSS, just having having one class that you apply saying margin bottom equals this. And it's just that. And you can always, you know, you look at the class list for the element and you're like, oh, margin bottom must be this. That's a maybe a specific example. I don't know. But um, I just like the idea that things are what you what you want them to be and you don't have to worry about things not, you know, not being correct. Are you doing any exploration into like writing CSS in JavaScript with React? I do I do a mix. So I think base CSS is fantastic for prototyping i use that for a lot of you know hacking and making shit really quickly i also use it a lot for layout then i found when building applications when there's style that's being created as a function of the data so this slider is over here that slider is over there or i don't know i think in like complex like rich applications there's a lot of style which is um kind of determined based on the data that stuff's really nice to calculate in JavaScript. It's, you know, design is all rules-based. Sometimes that, those rules come from data that you don't have when you're sitting there, like, writing the CSS file. You know, it comes from a AJAX request or it comes from whatever it might be. So I'm using React style a lot and really just kind of using whatever's appropriate. I think there's, I think there's a lot of interesting ideas in CSS right now. Um, Ooks was great, but I think since React, there's been like a real flourishing of ideas. Um, Glenn Madden posted a post on the internet about um, interoperable. I can't say words. Inter- interruptible? Inter- interoperable. Inter- interoperable. Interoperable. Yeah, yeah. Why do people use complicated words? I, I Yeah. Interoperable CSS um, a couple of weeks ago. And that was really interesting. Like seeing CSS as a kind of living, breathing thing that you can import and require and you know, pass around to different things. Um, you know, making CSS modular rather than just a 4,000 line file that you just bosh at the end of your HTML file. So I, I don't know what's going to win. Um, that functional CSS post I wrote, it might be completely wrong. That's, it's just my kind of current thinking. And I think generally I'm just open to new ideas. We keep having lots and lots and lots of ideas, then hopefully we'll get to it. Eventually we'll get something, right? We'll get something, yeah. And it's more interesting than doing the same thing all the time. Cause I, I, that is correct. I don't think CSS is done. I don't think it's perfect. I don't think we've figured it out yet. And I don't think 
I don't think the new stuff that we've been writing in the past six months, I don't think that's figured out yet. I don't think that's the end state of CSS. It's still new and it's still young. Um, just want to keep exploring and keep, you know, keep on searching out good ideas. Uh, liked in your bio, you said you don't define yourself as either like a designer or developer. I did for a while, um, the past five years. I guess it's some weird existential thing where I'd be writing more and more code and then I'd be like, but I'm a designer because I like, I, I like the way that designer sounds. Or I liked it. <laughs> I was like, you know, it was like really important for me to think of myself as, as a designer. And I'm like, actually, I'm just writing hella code now. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I've just given up caring. Like, I just, I just do my thing. And whatever words you want to use to describe that, like, I just, I just don't care. Fair like, I just, I just want to make cool things with pixels and code and stuff. There you go. Mm. I like that approach. Making cool things with pixels is legit, but I mean, I guess I've always kind of thought of design going further than um, just just the pixels. Like, I feel like a lot of people think it's just making pretty pictures, but if you think about like an industrial designer, they also do the manufacturing, right? Like they're they're very involved, at least in the initial phase, and then they hand it off. I, I don't think that design should stop before the thing is being built. Oh, that God, makes no, no, so not little sense to me. So to me, if you're doing API design or if you're you know, writing JavaScript, whatever, to me, that's design. And then you're like, design is everything. And then someone's like, well, I don't know, that's kind of actually just backend engineering. And I'm like, yeah, but it's design. You can get into these fights about what is and what isn't design. I think design's everything. Some people don't. I just, I've, I'm kind of bored of having like arguments with people who are like, oh, yeah, you're like a developer. And I'm like, everything's designed dude well i'd love to hear your how you would give advice to someone uh a new person that wants to get into the web design world creating product people ask me you know should i learn to code is this it should designers learn to code what's your response to that i have a two-part response one is like obviously yes um and and <laughs> like the, the second bit is like just don't worry about it. Just do what makes you happy. It makes me happy coding. I like learning new things every day and I get that from coding and I get a lot out of being able to think of things and realize them straight away and like come up with like crazy animations or whatever I want to do. If you really don't like coding, like just, just don't, it's fine. Don't worry about it. There are still jobs for people who can't code. There always will be, I think. Um, Especially until, if the grid happens. Until the and, grid is <laughs> well, you know that's the Skynet thing. I'll, the I'll grid is Skynet. No, don't quote me on that. Um, uh, it's recorded. First, you're teaching the T1000 how to design, and then it's also Skynet. Should T1000 learn to code? Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, it's probably cheating. Mm. I'm not comfortable with that. But I don't know. I I think a lot of people get a lot out of learning to code, and a lot of people who. A lot of my friends who have initially shown resistance to learning to coding actually end up falling in love with it. I think it's pretty empowering as a designer, and I think it's important to know your medium. But if you're overwhelmed by it, if you really don't like it, then just don't do it. You know, just do what makes you happy. Well, I feel like this can kind of segue into one of your talking points that you wrote down about like being critical and giving feedback online versus just being nice. And the way you're phrasing it right now is like, you don't need to be worried about this kind of feedback, like do what makes you happy and, and what you feel satisfied with. Um, do you feel like at some point, like there needs to be someone pushing new designers to learn these skills and like be a little bit more critical with them online? Like actually to be the best at this job, you need to know X. Like you need to understand CSS, for example. I think to be the best how what you do, you need to be excited by what you do. If you don't, if you really don't like coding, just don't code. Like that's the, that's the best way to be the best possible designer is to just love what you do. Um, 
I don't think you should get religious about this stuff. I think the flip side of that is that also, like, we just don't need to be so preachy as an industry. I have got pretty strong opinions about design. Lots of my friends have pretty strong opinions. Like, we all have pretty strong opinions, um, which is why we're recording a podcast about our opinions at 8 p.m. instead of just, like, (laughs) at the same time, like... juice and hopping on a Harley. (laughs) Exactly. Like, we we literally could be drinking high life and riding motorcycles not at the same time right now. (laughs) that's irresponsible um but you know we're sitting here talking about design we obviously we've got opinions about design but you don't need to force those opinions down other people's throats if people like don't agree like whatever like that that's also cool like i might think the x framework or y methodology is pretty shitty and it like conflicts with my opinion of what's great design but if other people like it then that's that's also cool do you have a strong opinion in the design world that most people disagree with I think the most recent thing that could be considered a strong opinion is like the base CSS versus or functional CSS versus Ooks or Smacks or can you that t- kind of can thing. Can you talk us through base CSS? I have a, I actually hate, I know of it. I've heard a lot about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is that, or what it makes it special. Yeah. So if you haven't used base CSS yet. Um, I also thought it was bass CSS and I was like, why is it a fish? There's got to be a reason. I don't know. I think. Should we ask Brent? I feel like someone should ask Brent Jackson. Can we just make a guess that it's base, though? Mm-hmm. I think it's base. That's I'm, my guess. But... I'm, co- I'm calling it base. So if Brent, I, it's probably like a gif, gif. I'm going to say yeah. base. He just spelled base differently because all of his. Yeah, like, it seems like his, a reference. His 22 modules are base reset, base forms, base tables, base typography. Yeah, well, we should check out on GitHub and I don't know. Um, what did you just say? <laughs> it's that GitHub, was right? Joke. Is it, that was, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was it. <laughs> I'll slide that in there. Um, Classic Brian. No, Brent, Brent Jackson is my uh, my East Coast twin. Brent Jackson and Brent Jackson. That's that's kind of wild. Yeah, he's the better one. He builds so much stuff. That keyboard thing he built for Murmur's birthday or something was yeah. insane. I have no idea how he Holy ships that much crap. stuff. And he had a full time job for the longest time. Do you reckon he was slacking off at work? Probably. Brent. Brent, <laughs> you slacking off at work? Twitter bio, little baby bacons. Um, <laughs> base CSS is like, I guess it's a collection of very, very tiny um, utility utility classes in CSS. So you'll have classes for margin bottom being one or two or three, uh, where that's like a scale or a vertical rhythm, or for buttons being, or for background colors being red or blue or green, or corners being rounded, or for you know, you'll have classes for all these different things. And the idea is that you build up uh, collections of these classes. So previously in um, in Smacks or in Ooks, OOCSS, um, we might write a button like button dash dash primary. And that would be, you know, have a, have a green background or button dash dash primary dash dash big. And that would have like big font sizes or I don't know, button dash dash green dash dash outline dash dash I, I, whatever. Um, and you'd come up with all these yes, object-based or state-based classes for different um, different aesthetics. The flip side of that in, in things like base CSS and tachyons is that you have lots of tiny, tiny help utilities. So you might apply the class for a green background and the class for white text and the class for bold text and the class for padding and the class for rounded corners. And you apply that in your HTML. And that's like how you build up. Um, that's how you build up your website. That's how you build up your styles. I guess it's just the opposite of what we used to be doing, but it's very, very fast. And um, 
I go polar opposite. Like I try and abstract everything into my SCSS, but I write a lot of like math functions and if functions and fors and things like that, just to to do as much of it for me as possible too. So mm-hmm. I don't have to touch it. I'm just not convinced that CSS is the right way to write CSS. CSS is the right way to style HTML, like as a way of styling shit. Like, yeah, it's easier than, I don't know, drawing things to canvas or I, I don't know how else you'd do it. Um, but I'm just not convinced that like class-based CSS or like object-oriented class-based CSS is the right way to compose appearances and aesthetics. So like the downside of this is that you end up writing like loads and loads and loads of classes. You end up with chains of, of um, CSS classes on your HTML, HTML elements that are, I don't know, like 10 classes on one button or something like that, which some people were like, the first argument against it is that classes should be semantic, that machines should be able to read it and you should have like legit semantic class names for everything which i think is basically bullshit machines don't care what Mm -hmm. your class names are yeah they're a thinking tool for you um they're a reasoning tool for you and i think the web went in a really bad way for a number of years when the whole semantic thing happened when everyone was like oh actually i'm not allowed to use classes and i should have like css selectors that are like li first child l a I, you know like these ridiculously <laughs> long chains of like elements pseudo selectors and everything yeah never just never use a pseudo selector unless you're doing something incredibly incredibly specific like i don't know positioning an image before like, generating content mm-hmm. or something um that css is so unreusable um it, it's difficult to use so that's like that's one argument which i just think is just not correct thinking um, machines don't care what your CSS class names are. Just but on on the semantic side, doesn't that also impact like working with the team? Like unless the, I guess the whole team would have to share the same vocabulary for the base CSS, right? Right. So the idea is that people can't fuck it up. People can't like just add like random classes somewhere. If you're changing the margin in a class that isn't a margin class, then you're doing it wrong. Like it's it's very very obvious, and you can you know, pull it out at code reviews, or whatever. The other thing is that this basically works really well if you're using some kind of web component thing, some kind of component based design system. So I use the shit out of React. Some other people like Polymer, whatever you want to use. If you're using something like that where you might have a button or you might have a, an input field, or you might have something like that, which is like a collection of DOM and class names and that stuff that you kind of wrap up and you just include wherever. If you're doing that, people don't need to edit the CSS. You edit the CSS or you kind of compose the CSS, compose classes of CSS. But it, it, you know, it doesn't matter. You can't fuck it up, which is, which is kind of great. With like the old school ways of doing CSS, it was really easy for people to write like edge cases or to people to be like, oh, this just isn't applying because like the fucking cascade. Um, <laughs> and then do like, yeah, well, this like use an ID important, you know, all that shit. You don't need to do that with functional CSS, which is kind of great. So when we talked to Noah Stokes, um, he said that this sort of thinking maybe is moving us away from, how did, how did he describe it? He said the internet's boring. He, yeah, he said he's sick of looking at websites that are just text on images. These kinds of rules make the web boring. What do you think? Well, like utility-based CSS. Where we're, we're overthinking the, the languages we use instead of just building cool shit. Yeah, like going crazy with CSS and like, yeah, some shit super specific and oh, he didn't like performance but it, either. But this looks great for the end user. But CSS is dumb and new. Um, <laughs> like this shit's only what like fifteen, maybe twenty years old. But like it's it's also like heavily, heavily designed by committee. There's not like strong leadership or design thinking behind CSS like there is behind Swift or Closure or 
I, like any programming language, any kind of mature language, CSS is pretty like pretty nice and it's like it's in its infancy and we have to make it good before we can worry about like abandoning it um, before worrying about like making i guess how would you say even like the name the grid is is saying that the web is just a series of boxes right and maybe, i don't know whether i don't know where the name came from uh maybe it's a tron reference i'm not sure okay i mean think- i can get behind that even more than i could before now <laughs> <laughs> no, because you know, I'm. I got very jaded with basically thinking my job was coloring gray rectangles and layering gray rectangles on top of gray rectangles. That's definitely not what we're doing at the grid. Bren, you should describe your design process. Talking about your layering gray rectangles. Yeah, no, I get it. My my wireframing is uh, somewhat transparent gray rectangles because I don't have to worry about styling. And I can only stack five on top of each other at once. I'll do twenty percent transparency. Oh, nice. Yeah, keeps it consistent. It's easy. They don't have to be gray. I do blue sometimes. I'm just giving you shit. No. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I don't think the web's boring. I think we need better tools and then we can make more exciting internet. I love that you brought up Brett, Brett Victor earlier. Because if, if anyone on earth I could just give a bunch of money to to build tools, it would be Brett Victor. I don't know if I'd give him money. I want to give him a cuddle. <laughs> um, yeah, super, super inspirational, doing really, really great work. Yeah. Did you guys I, see the responsive sketch plugin today? I yeah. saw the link. I haven't checked it out. I can't remember his name. He works at Facebook, though. Yeah, it was a Facebook. You can overdub it. Project. Post. His oh. name is. Mm-hmm. Wow, 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 wow. Well, it'll be in the show notes. <laughs> but yeah, it was like uh, he just showed gifts of his his sketch art board, and then it, it was CSS on the right side. It was just defining like rules for like symbols and stuff in CSS. You could say like, I just want paddings around the edges to be this. Yeah, wasn't wasn't it for Flexbox and Sketch? I thought that was, it was what... yes, Flexbox, I'd... Sketch, responsive Sketch, whatever. Um, yeah, I didn't have time to check it out today, but it sounds great. The other thing I was really really into recently was um. Josh Paquette is doing some. Yeah. Josh Puckett, yeah. Yeah. Doing some excellent, excellent prototypes of constraint based layouts, like using auto layout in a design tool, which I think mm-hmm. is a really smart idea. And also using dynamic data. Yeah. So I actually have that at work and I absolutely adore it. I got my back end developers and data people to give me just an output of whatever is new in the, the server that day and I can pull from it. So I'm mm-hmm. always using brand new data and I can never design mm-hmm. for the same exact use case. It's wonderful. It's great because, you know, you have designers who are like, on Dribble. Everyone's like super, super short names and super like attractive people. Like what you want to design for is like, you know, super uggos and the longest names in the world. Right. So, you know, like use, use my avatar and, and then um, <laughs> oh, wow, yeah, that... like hello. Okay. This looks great. So you're <laughs> so saying me you the... just like you, you define rules for like corner paddings and then the width doesn't matter. So you could change the artboard to be infinite width and he just knows that like we want these elements to be on this side this element to be on this, this is side. good audio uh mm. we'll link to this in the show notes but it's uh, exploring dynamic layouts in sketch talking about how you can make and some some level of like logic to sketch artboards yes this name is, is excellent is absolutely m h r e s c a k h r e s c a k yes i don't want to try and pronounce what's his name mate mate i don't know he works at facebook he's from slovakia well, you know, super sweet, whatever it was. I think uh, John Lax great. posted it this morning. I think that was the first person I saw it from. I could be wrong. So something that frustrates me along these lines is when people come up with a new tool, a new prototyping tool or a new whatever, you know, we've seen this a lot with people being like, oh, do you really need Framer if we have X, Y, Z? And again, the answer is like, fuck yeah, we need like all of the new ideas. People yeah. need to keep making new shit. I want to play with Josh's new tool. I want to play with this. I wonder if... It, like, I, design software is like not good enough. Yet. I always wonder if Josh... Like if that's an actual thing or if he's just animating. I think he has a plugin. I think he has a plugin that he built. 
like this is just a plugin that he's somehow figured out to screw around with. This, like, I think Josh's thing's probably native. It probably works. Yeah, because it he's like a, a total tool. badass. It oh, didn't really? look like Sketch. Okay. Yeah, I think he built that. We should ask him next time we're over at Dropbox. Mm. Or we should get him on the show. Okay, do that. And have him open source it. Yeah, he was there when we met. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Soleo was there. That was at the Google thing. Yeah. And Josh, when they were talking about the prototyping tools. Yeah. He's the right person to ask. Speaking of prototyping tools, are you doing any mobile stuff or are you strictly working on websites right now? Um, personally, right now, I'm not doing any mobile, but I, you know, I have done... Websites are mobile. You know what I mean. I'm not doing like native iOS Thank right you. now. Thank you, John. Yeah. You're being pedantic, Bryn. Of course. What prototyping tools do you guys use? I, I use this weird thing called HTML and CSS and JavaScript and such. And also Pixate. Pixate. Thank you. Uh, you know, I actually haven't gotten into prototyping tools. I like Pixate for doing like scale-based, or I'm, I'm sorry, like position-based animations and things like that. That's really convenient. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's it, I generally go from sketch to like get an idea down and be like, okay, this roughly looks okay when it's static, so now I can try and make it. Yeah, that's about yeah, it. Yeah, I guess to clarify, I'm like I, HTML and CSS, but um, I've never explored like a, a native app prototyping tool yet like framer or i've been learning ios origami. though and it is amazing swift is so cool holy shit i don't understand anything about it but i love it are you learning or do you know swift and objective c i've done a couple of objective c apps nice. i haven't i haven't done any swift i haven't had, haven't had time for the past year but it looks great yeah there's something i don't know it just always feels it feels different mm-hmm. when you make an ios app and it compiles and like you you touch the buttons yes. on your phone i don't know why it feels different to html it it there's like something about it yeah i don't know yes <laughs> it's fun i you get super nice gestures and animations and it's all super smooth you don't have to worry about chrome like flickering or any of that bullshit that, that sweet sweet buttery native mm. buttons so good you want to lick them or whatever <laughs> steve jobs isn't said. that aqua are we done with aqua what do you think about this whole like move to flat versus lickable mm. I may have some opinions about that. Ooh, good. Good. I might disagree with them. We'll see. I think that generally, like, skeuomorphism was bad. Um, there was, like, a mix of confusing aesthetics with confusing interaction metaphors, stuff like paper sliding under paper, and you're like, that shit's supposed to be stapled. Like, how can, how can, that, <laughs> how can, how can that slide? I did, my, um, I did my thesis when I was at design school on how shitty skeuomorphism was. Um, I can't remember all of the things I said, but... Um, I didn't like the the wooden textures or the leather textures. It's kind of skeuomorphism, but like for me, the like the real criminality there was people using confusing metaphors, like things that just didn't work together. So I'm kind of glad that apps don't look like that anymore. Do you have an example? I think it was like a bunch of the iPad apps, like the Apple iPad apps. They just had super confusing metaphors. Ah, what was it? It was like notes or contacts or something like that, where you had like piece of paper and then with like a ui scroll view or something mm-hmm. on it you're like paper oh, doesn't yeah, and there was like the tear at the top and the <laughs> oh, or in like ibooks how you'd keep flicking the pages and the stack of pages would be the same thickness and then you get to the end of the book you're like but i've still got a whole book left to read and steve jobs like surprise and like, <laughs> um, like shit like that like re- i it's been years now it's been like what two three years since that stuff was yeah. around so i i can't remember but um it was just a mess like it was just a like poorly thought out confusing mess if you want to use metaphors like use them correctly the flip side of that is that one um modernism is super difficult to pull off on digital devices like metro was a good stab at it but it it was just confusing like spatially it was confusing 
iOS 7 or current iOS, I think, is kind of confusing as well. Like it just, it's just not well executed. It's got good principles, but it's not well executed. I think we have to keep plugging away at it. Mm -hmm. I think the principles are generally correct. Um, One thing that tripped me up for a couple of years was coming out of design school, like super in love with Miller Brockman and all the Swiss stuff, uh, 60s Swiss graphic design modernism and not liking skeuomorphism and conflating I guess an aesthetic with you know with like trying to apply an aesthetic too too directly to to a different medium and in in a way actually stuff like metro kind of is a skeuomorph it's like you know taking an aesthetic that worked on print and applying it like one-to-one to to digital and that's that's kind of dangerous like we shouldn't be doing that what we should be doing is um that's like inaccurate skeuomorphism. It's just like it felt like a homage, like a bunch of the stuff I tried to do. I came straight out of design school. I was working at Prismatic and I tried to make everything look like a Miller-Brockman poster. And that was just like, I was like, what, 21 or something? And I was stupid, but like, that was just the wrong thing to do. Like, you, that's not how modernism works. But I think what is important is, you know, stripping away unnecessary decoration, mm-hmm. um, you know, being aware of, the intent of your design, um, you know, making sure things really communicate. You can do minimalist, modernist design that doesn't have to look anything at all like a Carl Gerstner poster. That said, also like the the like flat you hashtag flat UI style aesthetic trend, whatever like bullshit on design and use and dribble. Like that is it's not minimalism. It's not modernism. Like you can't take off your layer styles and put everything in fucking flat UI green. And call that minimalism. That that again, that's like just an appropriation of an aesthetic. I love the concept of like flat UI colors. Like that blows my mind. That certain oh, flat UI can be fucking flat. fonts. Like yeah. that. Sorry, that's not how it works. <laughs> like so, the um, like Alan from Level, like his his original post that was like inspiring. That was a that was a really great post and like kind of a a call to arms at the time when Did it you, felt like design. Um, it was like the original flat design post. Um, the flat design era. I think it was like called like Flatland or something. Helen, what was his last name? Sorry, the G. Uh, Grinstein. Yes. Um, that was like super exciting, and it felt like it, it was really a breath of fresh air to see a lot of designers at the same time start to be like, "Yeah, skeuomorphism's kind of dumb, actually. Let's like not do that." People, I think a lot of people took the wrong message away from that, which is that you should use the same green as Leavitt used. And that's that's not what his post was about. That's not what flat design was ever supposed to be about. It was supposed to be about you know removing unnecessary decoration and keeping design honest um copying an aesthetic and putting a super long hashtag with it on dribble like that that's not minimalism man that's it's dumb it's dumb so i got stressed out about that for a while and just whatever are you still hanging out on dribble i no okay i check it out occasionally if i need like mood boards for icons mm-hmm. or illustrations so how do you keep up with like the latest like what other designers are doing um on twitter okay yeah i just like to surround myself with people who are way more talented than me and just kind of riff on their ideas so i'm also curious about design school Mm. Uh, we get a pretty good mix of people that have gone and have not gone and and people tend to be happy with whichever route they went what did you go to school Um, for brian uh i studied entrepreneurship is that wait is that a major it was a business degree with a major in entrepreneurship yeah that baylor does Texas know what entrepreneurship is? Yeah. It's like calling yourself a founder and buying a domain name, right? <laughs> you know, this this is this is what everyone's reaction is, but 
some of the classes we took, for example, one was entrepreneurial finance. And this was the most valuable class I've ever taken. And it was all about raising money as a startup. Yeah, you go to the creamery and you start like sitting around he with gets mock-ups it. of your Airbnb for X. And you know it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm just fucking with you. I what were we saying? Talking about design school. Design school, yes. Okay. There are many things to say about design school. Um, one, I think like a couple of years out of design school, or if you're in design school right now, or if you're thinking about design school, like never, never regret or second guess a choice that you made. Like right now, I kind of wish that I went to Stanford and did computer science because I just think it's a better foundation for being a product designer. But like shit happened in the past, like whatever you did, like we're all designers. For a long time, I thought like having a graphic design degree was a necessary pre- prerequisite for being a digital product designer. Mm-hmm. I'm increasingly finding that's just not the case at all. Like the stuff we do, like filling in rectangles and thinking about user intentions and stuff is so monumentally different from a gra- from a traditional graphic design degree. I think one of the great things about doing any degree is that you have three, I guess it's four years over here to just not be an 18 year old anymore. You start out as an 18 year old and you have three years of four years of like time and space to discover things and speak to people and meet people and try things out and usually write manifestos because that's what yeah. students love to you do. You become a socialist uh, did, you, mm, <laughs> did you write any design manifestos in college? I went to school for automotive design briefly and then I went for audio engineering. And nice. uh, no, I, I recorded, I did not do any manifest, manifesti. Manifesti. Yeah. I think that's the plural. That was a topic today on Twitter, which is really funny. Who, I can't remember who asked that. I think it was Brett Victor, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What a dude. Right. Love that guy. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's nice to be removed from commercial pressures and having to pay rent, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's stressful trying to find a job when you're 18, trying to put a roof over your head in a city as expensive as London or San Francisco. Or anywhere, really. <laughs> anywhere. But especially these places yeah, it, it sucks to, to have to do that um and i think when you're under pressure you especially when you're when you don't have like an established career um you tend to jump for whatever's going to pay you money the quickest that's not helpful like when i was 18 i could have gone to work at like a local print shop or you know i could have got some job in suburban london doing some kind of graphic design I'm really, really glad that I didn't do that because I just, I would have probably stopped caring about design after like six weeks there. And then that would have been my life. Just being a shitty designer, still a shitty designer. Um, we all. And just, you know, not, <laughs> you know, like I think it's important to give yourself a buffer to get better at what you do and before you get kind of released into the world. That said, there's no, you know, I know a ton of incredibly talented self-taught designers. I know some 18-year-olds who are way better at design than me. Like, you don't have to do it. I just think personally, like, I'm really glad I had that time and space to read Miller Brockman books and write manifestos about letter presses and stuff like that. <laughs> Manifest. <laughs> Maybe it's an English thing. I don't know. People, uh, students love a good is. manifesto. I am, I'm so jealous of the 18-year-olds today. Like, I wish I had gotten that kind of early start that you're like, I'm, I keep seeing these really young, insanely talented people like Kyle Ryan was on uh, mm-hmm. this week. And oh my God, that kid is so talented. Mm-hmm. And um, Justin Edmund and people. Like oh, he's that. ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I, um, you guys know mind. Yoris Rigel? No. He's a super, super nice guy. Um, 
I met him at Build Conference in Belfast. I'm sure he was like five or six at the time, <laughs> 18, 19, I don't know. Like this was like five years ago, but like, even then he was like just a ridiculously, ridiculously talented designer and like, actually went through design school, but he was like shit hot at 18 and he's absolutely sensational now. Um, I think I fucked around and drank too much when I was a teenager to be good at yeah. design. No, totally. Where did you, I, I where did you go so to much time. I went Where to go? I went to Ravensbourne in the UK, which was the legacy there at least was that it was like Swiss modernist e typographic focused design. Distille. Sorry? I mean, no, because Distille was an art movement rather than a graphic design movement. But graphic design is basically art, it's whatever. <sighs> did oh. you just say that? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. We were just talking to Mike Essel about can, that. Can you not? <laughs> can can like, I not? This is the first yeah. time we've actually offended a guest. No, I, I love distill. I'm really into those things. I did a bunch of like generative distill stuff. That like distill is great because it's like rules based and all good design and art is rules based. Um, I can get behind that. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying. People should just make a choice and be happy with that choice. Well, there's no point fretting over what you've already done, right? Like, but I'm talking about like a kid graduating from high school right now that mm. wants to be you. What would, would you also say that? I just don't. Just yeah. It's Start not working it's five not years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's that's also true. Um, I think it's a great time to be in the industry. I think the tools to make internet stuff are getting better and better every day. It's getting more exciting every day. And there's a lot more money than there was before. Oh my god, there's so much, so much money. I'm, I'm not getting any of it, but like, yeah, other like if you work at Facebook, there is, yeah. <laughs> Brian just joined Facebook. Nice. What was I going to say? Um, I think it's a great time to be in the industry. Yeah. I think shit is just getting so exciting. Like, you can romanticize about what it would have been like to have worked at any point in the history of design you could be like oh i really wish i was around in the 60s so i could have like written some shit for denoy graphic but actually that had its own set of constraints and trade-offs and you probably didn't want to be working in the 60s you might you might think you wanted to but probably didn't or you might romanticize the dot-com boom or you might like romanticize anything like people romanticize the dot-com boom (laughs) i mean there was hella money in it then too there was i just read a piece the other day and um it was about how people are complaining about the bubble right now and the fact that one of the more popular um, startup accelerators back then was had a $214 million a month burn rate. They burn. That is a bubble. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Have you seen um, startup.com or eDreams? Two really, really mm-hmm. great. No. Um, I'll put those in the show notes. Really, really <laughs> great. Um <laughs> really great documentaries about like the height of the bubble because you know we're all too young to remember that but yeah. or to, to have been there at the time but yeah their burn rates were crazy like there's some wage inflation and there's some super shitty startups in san francisco but generally like it, it's not a bubble not on that level yeah not even remotely close um but you know today like you're working today just kind of accept that and it is great it's a great it's a great yeah. time to be getting into the industry it, i think the most in, important thing is to stay inspired and to just work on whatever's going to excite you like every single day if you think you're going to enjoy a graphic design degree then go and do a graphic design degree and if you end up not liking it 
or you end up wanting to do UI design or whatever it is, you end up wanting to do computer science then change to do computer science. I don't know. There's no point fretting over these things. I think you should yeah. just do whatever, whatever's going to keep you excited. It's not going to hurt you to just go do it. Like, and if it does, you learned something and now you can do things better and make up for it. Are you working on any side projects? Um, not particularly. I haven't had much time recently. Um, the one thing that I'm vacationing working- pretty hard. I am, yeah, I'm maxed out on vacationing and riding motorcycles. Um, the one thing that I'm working on right now that I'm pretty excited about outside of the grid um, is my personal site, which I might even probably won't ship by the time this, this gets posted. Next, Next Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> is that like, is that like a <laughs> deadline? Is that a deadline? One week. Yeah, if you give me a deadline, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> so a couple of years ago, um, I had a personal website that was it looked like a weird kind of retro futuristic weird like mac os ui it looked like mac os means rocco's modern life that's exactly that's exactly it it was like lsd mac os one rocco's postmodern life <laughs> um so i had this website and it was like the tech behind it was super dumb like it was just it just wasn't built like an application it was a it was a it was a slider with some images Everyone tells me how much they missed that website and how like that was better than my current one. My mom tells me it was better than the current one. Sorry, mom. Um, then the other day I was like, okay, I should probably do a new website. Um, and React is, you know, React is a thing. React makes it really easy to make like really cool, complex things, like super simple. So I'm rebuilding that website, like my website as an operating system with like apps and folders and that kind of shit. Um, that should be kind of fun. React is great. And it'll and be launched uh, by it's the time out today. people are listening it's to out, this show. It's out today. You can go check it out oh at john.gd. Wow. J-O-N. Yeah. I've just given myself a deadline, haven't I? Yeah. Yep. Great. I'm surprised you didn't do like John. Do they have a .ag? I, I have to believe they do. I'm going to jinx this by saying it, but .gold comes out tomorrow whoa yeah so if i don't get that domain i'm gonna cry for the rest of my career oh john.gold is gonna I'm be, gonna sweet. be so good jacket i'm gonna and hurt you in your sleep if you do that <laughs> you do know where i live now <laughs> i do know where you live and i know yeah you know the door huge cord, mistake door, door code i know your door code as well yeah oh god don't just don't take that domain oh shit <laughs> No, I didn't just throw anyone. Okay, midnight? we can just we can edit this out. Maybe I reckon. <laughs> no, it's okay. How do you guys feel about Apple Music? Oh, interesting. <laughs> Is that like a last week thing to talk about, or are we, are we still good about that? I love Tomorrow's... Apple Music. I hate the way it looks visually, or like UXy as well. I mean, it's kind of a mess, but I can figure it out, right? Like, I, I like to believe that I'm smart enough to get around it. You know what I mean? Doesn't like, it suck that that's a compromise we have to make? I do, I don't think of it as being a bad thing i'm just like okay i I can figure it out so i don't really care as long as i can get to what i'm trying to get to i'm fine i don't want to work i don't want to use products that are like oh well this is like slightly like it's just not terrible enough to confuse me too much like i want to i want to use good things i want to use great products and it stresses what do you think is a great alternative i think spotify has it shit together a I lot think more. Spotify is I so agree. ugly. Ugh. So many people don't like it, which is I crazy. I don't understand it. I think Spotify is great. I think it's beautiful. I think it's, yep. it might be some like conditioning. Like in the in Europe, we use Spotify a lot more than RDO. So I'm. I you, love RDO. I. I 
prefer Spotify because that's what I've used since for like what like seven years or something. Like I like I'm just super used to Spotify. I feel like you know there's this aesthetics and all iOS or all Apple's iOS apps are a mess visually. It's a shame that and you know that's the UI kit. So what do you think of Material Design? I think Material Design is great apart from that fucking shadow. Why? What about the shadow? Do you dislike? You know, like the super, super big one. Like there's yeah. some like it's, nice, it's dimi- big. Yes. So there's like some nice dimensionality in material mm-hmm. design, and it's like generally well thought out. It's generally beautiful. Robot, the new Roboto is a, a fantastic typeface. I think. Yes. It's hella legible. Really into hella that. legible. Really into that shit. Um, it's that. There's like there's this one shadow that's like, that's sometimes on things, and it's it's just really it's like distractingly distractingly there so to to imitate it in sketch i had to do three drop shadows because it has a slope it it kind of breaks the metaphor like material design it has a curve sorry that's probably the better way to phrase it i love material design when it kind of gets out of the way and it like the metaphor assists your um your understanding of like the spatial model sometimes things just kind of break it sometimes things just kind of get in the way that's okay they can fix it um, the thing I love about it is that, I, and I've said this in like every episode for the past like five episodes, <laughs> is that it's not defined arbitrarily. It's defined by how high you want the thing or like what the importance is of the element. So if it's your, um, I'm sorry, I don't know the, what the material design term is, but if it's your nav bar above something that is also above something, you can define whether it's um, like two vertical units or like four vertical units. And it's it's based on importance i think that's really it's really smart it's not something that you program in yourself it's just uh-huh. there and you choose how high it should be it makes it's very very well thought out i think well we didn't get your take what do you think of apple music i think that the mental model of it is confusing i think the things are in the wrong tabs and in the wrong places like to get to the, the created playlists for example are great but you, they're on the wrong screen in the wrong place. You have, you have to go to, to new and then scroll like most. Yeah, of it's down. like it's not yeah. new. It's I like, love the curator playlist though; they're so good. Right, but there's also excellent curator playlists on Spotify which are in the right section. I agree. There, are, there are, or things like how you can't click on similar users. I don't know. Maybe by the time this airs, they'll have like shipped a version with all of that shit figured out. But I just think it's a shame that some that the most the most prominent design focused company in the world can't like obviously doesn't care about design as much as people think they do. I do think it's a lot of they're trying to fold in a product that they acquired very quickly. I mean, if you think about how long ago they acquired Beats, it really wasn't that long ago. How long does it take to move something to the correct screen, like to do some personas and In a company of 15,000 people. Think about all the committee meetings that there were to get that. Yep. (laughs) How many people do you reckon were in the committee that designed it? 100? 500? 15,000 it seems like everyone was just like yeah just like let's just put this shit in I don't know it stresses me out that's not design thinking that's not what people love about Apple it's a mess I think that they they gave people three months free and that is clearly a beta period everyone gives three months free do they? I think Spotify does now I thought Ardu had one month Spotify has three 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 months free plans right? three months for a dollar on Spotify but That's see, weird. this is where I'm with you. I, I I like Spotify a lot more, but I don't know if it's because I've been using it for longer. Mm-hmm. And so... It's also it's a more you've been immature product. 
What? It's also a more mature product. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it's got I, what three years compared to even Beats music was like what a year? It wasn't long. No. Spotify came out in like two thousand and eight. Yes. Not here. Right, right. Yeah. Anyways. Um Tangent. We're on the same page. But what do you guys think about the Apple Watch? We're all wearing one. I love mine. I also love not using it, but I always have to have it on, otherwise I feel weird. I went out without it yesterday and I felt very, very weird. It's it's that effect of when you leave your phone at home and you feel naked. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, but now it's like really obvious because it's always touching you. I had to check. I had to, I had to like, I wanted to know what the time was or something and I had to like check. Oh my God. I had to, I had to check my phone, my, the time on my phone. Like who does that? Like, what the fuck <laughs> were we? so archaic. What were we thinking? Like checking our phone or like checking notifications on our phone? Like it's just, it feels weird. Who thought that was smart? Steve but Jobs. I, I think what Bryn, Bryn said is, is really true for me as well as I, I love it and I love having it on, but I don't use it that much. I use it for notifications. I, I mean, that's, the, that's where the, the magic time is. And like get a couple glances. So mm-hmm. Luke Rubluski actually wrote a thing about this or he posted a picture that talked about it. Cause that's his thing. Um, the magic of it is in awareness, not using it. It's just knowing that you can be aware of a thing without having to spend time looking for it. Yeah. So I've got a theory on the notifications thing. Okay. I get distracted super, super, super easily, like ADHD, all that shit, super bad. So for years, um, after I realized that, I disabled like every notification I could find, like Mm -hmm. on my phone, just everything off, Uh, you know, on Twitter for Mac, whatever, like just disable all that shit. I actually use the Twitter web client because there are no notifications. What I realized that my behavior actually was rather than like not getting distracted by pings and buzzes, I realized that I just have twitter.com slash notifications open and just like refresh it, waiting for people to like talk to me or like waiting for interesting shit to happen on the internet. Get at me, bro. I'm like, guys, why aren't you fucking engaging with my personal brand? Um, I'm talking about freedom juice here. Yeah. I'm talking about high life. Like, you know, it's like someone do something. Um, So I realized that I distract myself there. Um, the services themselves aren't distracting. I just kind of find a way to distract myself by having these infinite feeds open and just like waiting for something interesting to happen. Since getting the Apple Watch, I've kind of reconsidered like what notifications are. And that was what that was what my initial reaction to smartwatches was, was like, why would I want notifications? Like that's just going to distract me. Mm-hmm. Turns out by turning on things you care about or turning on Twitter notifications, you can like every so often I might get a notification saying someone's talked to you on Twitter. And I can be like, great like that that's great i'll deal with that when when it's time for me to deal with that there's actually not that much stuff happening on the internet that's enough to distract me from working or from doing whatever i'm doing so it's it's great to it's great to be aware that stuff is happening and just being able to ignore it um i feel like i'm working more and tweeting less a little bit less since getting the watch you i've been tweet quite a lot i tweet a little bit i have tweeted sixty thousand times since 2008, to be fair. I feel like most of that was in 2008, 2009, whilst oh, yeah. I wasn't working at college. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, so so another thing, you guys have you guys read um, Getting Things Done by David Allen, GTD? No. It's like a productivity methodology. That sounds really douchey. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's like a... <laughs> I guess it's like a framework for like how you structure tasks and how you write to do lists and stuff like that. One of the things that stuck with me, I don't kind of follow it to the letter anymore, but um, 
one of the principles that stuck with me was write down whatever's in your head. Like if you're juggling, oh, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. Just write it down as soon as you can, get it out of your head so you're not using your brain to think about that when you should be thinking about Cognitive anything else. Overload. Exactly. Cognitive overhead. Yeah. Both. So, so get it out of your head. Yeah. I So bringing that back to the Apple Watch, like I never used to check the calendar on my phone or on the web or, you know, it, it was just not in the right place for me to, for it to augment my life. It was like, it was like a completely different silo. So I'd have a coffee with someone at some point in the day and I'd have to spend my whole day trying to remember what time it was. And then, you know, you're not getting any work done. It's like, was it 12 or 12, 15 or like, it's really great to just not have to think about that. Yeah. My, the next thing I have to do is at this time, great. My watch will buzz and tell me I can get on with my life. Mm -hmm. So like two really simple things that, you know, notifications and calendar alerts, they're not revolutionary, but I feel like I'm more attentive and more focused and less distracted that's worth $400 to me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm completely on the same page. I, I would, I just ignored my calendar before anyway. So I think the only now, now it is training me to avoid other notifications as well. I yeah. turn my phone and my computer on, uh, what's it called? DND. Yeah. Do not disturb. The only, the only thing I would say about the notification side is like, I feel a bit silly when I get a text notification on my watch. And the only thing I can do is reply on my Mac or on my phone. So then I've just doubled. You can send a voice message. Respond with emoji. I'm not... I think Siri's actually great now. It's a lot better than it used to be, especially if you've got a British accent. I'm, dude, I'm just self-conscious about doing right? voice stuff. In I've, public, in public, but in, in public, private. Oh my God, it's guys, so great in private. Oh yeah. Let's talk about how great the new Facebook mo messenger notifications are where all it gives you is a thumbs up or mute. Oh yeah, that was so cool, such right? A smart, <laughs> I love that. That, so that is brilliant. Loved it. Yeah. To the hundred designers who work at Facebook, if any of you are listening to this, like, thank you for that. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. There was something else about the Apple Watch. Activity. Have you guys been exercising more, less? Yes, more. I turned them off the first day. <laughs> uh, this is really yeah. I pay attention to the stand-up thing and i have the the activity rings there mm -hmm. on my on my as one of the complications and he, last time i, I saw him he didn't realize that all of them go off at 10 minutes to the hour no the i did stand up thing because you geeked out that you and whoever our guest was at the time both got at the that. same time it was marshall and it was just having fun with at them. the same time yes we were having fun. <laughs> that's called having fun bro. mine hasn't gone and not being so serious and cynical and listen ass. tomorrow those of you who are listening right now listen tomorrow and find out whether or not he's being serious or not because it, it didn't sound serious to me or it didn't sound fake to me i, I know that it goes off at 10 to the hour thanks Bryn. I got really now bored of my wrist judging me and being like, dude, like get up, like stop saying your ass. <laughs> like after, after a while, like to start with, you're like, dude, like get off my case. Like just, just leave me alone. Um, like stop lazy shaming me. They can see inside you. It knows you need it. And then after that, after the first couple of days, I was like, okay, maybe I should listen to them. Like maybe I should just do 30 minutes exercise a day. Like I started off like running and or going for a walk for half an hour every day is like I feel a lot better. So yeah, because of because of the Apple Watch, I'm more focused. I'm. If you were motorcycling for a half hour a day, you'd feel even better. Like this ten is, times yeah, better. This is true. Ten X developer 
just just for a motorcycle. The only thing I'm worried about with the activity thing is I had a, a jawbone for a while mm. and I had the same like in excitement and enthusiasm about it for the first few months. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of wanes off because you get lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be curious to see how this stands the test of time if it continues to be a motivator. Mm-hmm. But I guess if you make it part of your life, like hopefully now I've been running pretty much every day for the past three or four weeks. I've been on the best workout plan in a while for the last few weeks. Yeah. Isn't it great? Like, but, great. Yeah. but hopefully like that initial enthusiasm will actually make it enough to be a habit. Like, cause you know, I've had that in the past with things like photography or, you know, getting addicted to various exercise programs and then forgetting about it. But hopefully this is like tightly enough linked to, to me. And it's like, it's like enough of a reminder that I've been lazy that it will get me over that like initial thing. Yeah. And I'll keep doing it. Yeah. I feel great. Thanks, Steve Jobs. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> man. Thanks, Steve Jobs. Thanks, Steve. All right. So, yeah, we're uh, we're definitely over time now. Um, anything you want to plug before you go? Um, nothing of mine. The grid's going to be sweet. You can sign up for it now. Um, but You're at John Gold on Twitter? I'm at John Gold on Twitter. You should follow me. Um, check out... Um, you should check out my friend Ash Huang's book. Uh, she just um, put a book on Kickstarter. Oh, seriously? Mm. Yeah, she's been working on this for since I've known her. Um, if you Google the file, the fire steel, she just put this on Kickstarter today. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw this. So, yeah, the I don't fire steel. Yeah, I'm just not working on anything interesting enough to plug. So you should go check out her shit because she's. But go awesome. check out his website that is done now, and it is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, this, a web operating system. Yeah, John.gd. In the future. Cool. All right. Cool. This was well, fun. Thanks, thanks for having me. Coming on, and next time you're back in SF, fit us up. Yeah, this and is fun. You fit us in your vacation. <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks, John. As you folks can all see, John is way smarter than us. We did what we could to try and keep up, but Jesus, sweet zombie Jesus. John Gold is great, and we hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation. If you did, hit us up on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. Tweet at us. Tweet at John. We would love your comments and feedback. And of course, if you really did enjoy it, uh, a rating on iTunes is immensely helpful to help us move up the charts. Super, get, super awesome. And get more people to listen to the show. Before we leave you, two amazing sponsors made this episode of Design Details possible. I want to thank them. First, thanks so much to Dropbox. As you know, they are the best way to keep your files safe and synced in the cloud. They're an amazing service. Uh, Brent and I both use them in our personal life. We use Version for, control for the win. <laughs> yes. And we use them for design details to share all these episodes. Uh, I use them at work for all of my like project files. And they just keep building more and more tools that make our lives, not only as computer users, but as designers, so much easier. Things like commenting and instant file sharing make collaboration so seamless and so easy and file requests file requests if you're not using dropbox already go to dropbox.com and sign up it's free uh we really appreciate them supporting the show and we hope you will support them at dropbox.com our second sponsor is once again adobe it is not a free service but it is a great service no matter what good old uncle photoshop they've made so many improvements just for ui and like interface designers over the past year and I just 
every time I look at it, I like tear up because it's just so good. Oh my god, it's crying right got now. Artboards and glyph palettes and and stock photos. Basically, if you're a UI designer, uh, the new Photoshop updates, all the new CC updates, make your life really freaking awesome. Uh, they're listening to the community, listening to designers, building the tools that we need to make awesome stuff, awesome products. And also bad products, but with really nice tools to build them. Just yours with that. But no, anyways. No matter whether or not your <laughs> your products are great or not, Photoshop will help you make them really pretty. And even better, they're supporting the design community by making shows like ours possible. So we appreciate their support. We hope you will check them out. They're at adobe.com. And we have a link in our show notes to everything that's new in uh, the CC 2015 update. So check out the show notes and go to adobe.com. And we'll see you on Monday with Josh Rotino.